Alright y'all, what is happening? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Today, it's going to be a sports day. I got some news to go over in the NFL. I got some MLB news to go over as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Astros for a little bit today. And I'm going to wrap everything up with some college basketball. Uh, but let's get into it, okay, with the NFL. And first things first, I want to talk about Luke Keekley of the Panthers. He has decided to retire. Uh, he made that official, I believe it was Monday. After eight seasons, he was just, he's actually just 28 years old he was drafted at a tw drafted in 2012 out of boston college uh where he would play his entire of his, the entirety of his career in carolina uh, over the course of his seven years he would acquire a thousand and ninety two tackles which leads the league uh, he also had seven pro balls out of his eight seasons that's actually tied for first among active players he's actually a five-time all pro first team which is actually also tied for first in the league and he has 18 reception which is the most amongst linebackers in this era he also is the nfl defensive player of the year also a defensive rookie of the year and uh he also uh he spent seven Seven years as the Panthers uh, team captain. Uh, the main uh, factor behind this, of course, for those of you who do not know, of course, is his health. Uh, he suffered numerous injuries throughout his career, uh, more so head-related, concussion-related. Those are the main ones that are driving him out of the game. Uh, just to kind of paraphrase, um, one of his bigger points was uh, he pretty much spent his whole life um, you know from his perspective he played fast and physical and at this point he can no longer do that he's not 100% willing to go through that anymore and, and risk his health uh, so I you know I'm all for that uh, recently we had Marshawn Lynch uh, after the um, the Seahawks playoff loss basically just basically tell players uh, keep your mind together get your money together uh, and and keep your body healthy uh, to the day that you walk away from the sport and so you'll be able to have uh, a healthy lifestyle and a meaningful life outside of sports uh luke keekley probably listened to some of that but he's also probably listened to other people within his circle uh he's also at the end of the day listening to himself uh this is just another uh this is just adding to a list of uh ever-growing list of younger players uh, stepping away from the game of course we had andrew luck step away uh last season so did gronkowski we can all, uh even go back all the way to the niners when they lost uh i believe it was in 2013 2014 they lost one of their top linebackers uh they had recently drafted chris borland a really good tackler out of wisconsin he would only play for about uh maybe a two to three good seasons uh for them if that so again people are understanding you know uh what they're having to put their bodies to a lot of these guys have played football the entire uh, basically the entirety of their life since they could uh walk so far probably five or six years old uh starting at pop warner you know then they played uh throughout their middle school years high school years taking in a lot of damage taking in a lot of hits uh so of course we already know about the the, the, the two to three possible years they could spend in college sometimes even four so again these players are taking a lot of hits and uh you know with that being said, they're, they're making decent enough money, uh, they're making good enough money to the point where, hey, well, I don't have to spend my, you know, 10 plus years playing in the NFL. Um, 
you know, the way that things are set up now, they can sign two or three contracts, probably two or three years each, something like that. And uh, basically be in enough, you know, be in a financial position, um, you know, if they save things right, they're not, you know, terrible with their spending habits or have any other major vices. They can generally sustain themselves after a few years of play. So uh, there's no, I mean, there's no... Um, I have no negative uh, thoughts toward the man, uh, especially if he felt in his heart of hearts, uh, health-wise, he wasn't able to go. Uh, I think that is the best decision for him, and uh, I'm proud of him for being able to uh, to come to that conclusion and and not have to wait till it's too late or or yeah anything like that until he suffers a, a complete major injury that might shut him down for the entirety of his career, or let's just say he gives he would have given himself another five or six years, and and when he walks away, he's just very miserable his body is you know failing on him which it happens to a lot of people especially uh the older athletes that weren't get, getting those higher uh, those those big number contracts uh to the the you know the, the double digit million so uh you know and they had to play multiple years just to get by so, uh, so it's a different generation it's a different situation and um you know the college ranks will be, you know, they will pro, they will replenish whatever the league, uh, whatever whoever walks away from the league. So there will be a top line back at the place him at some point. Maybe it might be Isaiah Simmons for the Panthers. We don't know. So um, again, college is going to keep evolving. Uh, the league is going to keep evolving. Um, it sucks to see some of these players go because again, they are relatively young. Uh, Luke Keekley is a year or so younger than me. He might even be the same age. Uh, but again, he has the right to do that. He's lived his life uh, to the point, to his fullest intent. Um, and I'm, and just as a fan, just as somebody who's watched him pretty much since his college, his college days, I'm proud of him for what he's accomplished. And uh, good luck in retirement, buddy. Whatever you decide to do, I'll be rooting for you. I'm not even a Carolina fan, but I'm a fan of you personally because I liked, always liked his character and I always liked his personal drive uh, when, it, when it came to football. So, uh, again, much love to Luke Kiefer. And uh, the Panthers should, I mean, they got a new coach. They got a new system coming in. Things are going to change. That's that's happened. So, they'll be all right. They're going to, just going to be a new look for them. Uh, but let, let's move on. Uh, the NFL has uh, released uh, their list of inductees for the 2020 Hall of Fame class. And this year is different because, of course, this is the 100th year of the NFL. So, uh, they, there's just big old commemoration about it. Uh, there is a centennial class uh, this year that represents, I believe, the 100 years of, NFL, of football. Uh, a lot of the older uh, players are in this class. Again, there's a couple coaches in this class and then a couple other contributors to this uh, this group as well. And then you also got a, mo a, a modern era class that I'll get to a little bit later on. Uh, from my understanding, those, uh, those inductees will be known uh, by February the first uh, but there's a couple uh finalists that i'll just mention here today uh but let's get to the uh, the 2020 uh 2020 inductees of the centennial class uh we're going to start off with jimmy johnson former head coach of the dallas cowboys he will coach the cowboys from 89 and 93 he would also uh, so, uh he would also be a head coach on the college football level as well taking some time at a, uh sorry at oklahoma state and also at the university of miami where he was able to win i believe it was two titles there as well uh, but he would form the Dallas trio with Aikman, Smith, and Irvin. He also won two Super Bowls there in Dallas as well. He was an A 
AP Coach of the Year in 1990, and he was uh, he's uh, t- sorry, uh, he also was uh, the Miami head coach from 1996 to 1999, and has an overall record of 80 and 64. And he currently hosts the Fox pregame show with. Bill Cowher, another inductee. He's also a former head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also has served as a uh, either as a coordinator or a position coach for Cleveland and Kansas City between '85 and '91. Uh, he served as the Pittsburgh head coach between 1992 and 2006. He was the AP coach of the year in 1992. He was also the best coach slash manager uh, awarded to him by the ESPYs in 2006. His final year in coaching. He was a two-time Sporting News Coach of the Year in 1992 and also 2004. He also was a winner of Super Bowl 40, and he has an overall record of 161 and 99. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we got Paul Tagliabue. Uh, he t- Paul Tagliabue, excuse me. He's a former commissioner of the NFL. He served between 1989 and 2006. He oversaw the, the league's expansion from 28 to thir- from 28, excuse me, to 32 teams. Uh, this would include the Ravens the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Panthers. He would also oversee the uh, the Rams and uh, Raiders relocation back to Oakland and St. Louis, respectively. Uh, of course, they would move later, but that was under the dam. Uh, the Browns and Oilers slash Texans uh, also relocated during his time as well. Uh, he One interesting fact about him, which I did not know, was that he would refuse to host the Super Bowl in Arizona in 1993 after they were refused to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Very interesting. I did not know that. And guess who was behind uh, Arizona not celebrating that holiday? Just for those who like to to uh, hop along people's legacies and forget and, 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 you know, omit certain facts. Guess who was behind that anti-MLK uh, day in Arizona? Senator John McCain. Just, just letting you know. And uh, one another big thing... Uh, for Paul Tagliabue was that he was on the forefront of keeping the Saints in New Orleans, especially after uh, Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. Up next, we got Steve, uh, Steve Sable. Uh, he passed away not too long ago, uh, but he and his father, Ed Sable, who, uh, well, uh, the, he's also in the, uh, the, sorry, the NFL Hall of Fame as well, uh, but they created the NFL film. So all the old school films, all the old school, you know, little shows you used to see, uh, you know, talking about football with all those great epic songs and all that. They were a part of that. They made those. They produced those. They also helped set up the NFL Network, of course, uh, something that I watch every day. If you watch NFL Network pretty much uh, yeah, or any NFL classic film or at, uh, any classic retelling of the game, you are you are looking at something that Steve Sable uh, created. So uh, RIP to him, and thank you for your impact in football, uh, and he will be a member of the Hall of Fame in Canton. Up next, we have Donnie Shell, a safety for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played in the league from 78 to uh, 87, and he also, I'm oh, sorry, it's from 1974 to 1987. He also lead the league uh, in interceptions at the safety position with 51. He's a four-time Super Bowl winner. He's a five-time pro baller and a three-time All-Pro in 1979, 1980, and 1982. And he's also a second-team All-Pro member as well. Up next, we have Cliff Harris, a safety for the Cowboys. Uh, he's a two-time Super Bowl winner. He's also a four-time first-team All-Pro. Pro. He's a second team All Pro in 1974 as well. He's part of the 1970s All Decade team. He would retire at 31 as well to focus on his oil business. Now, that's just to tell you, I just want to throw that in there just to kind of show you guys that none of this is new. Young players have been walking away from the game 
you know, forever. You know, there's, there's been, I mean, again, of course, we weren't around during this time, so we wouldn't know this. But again, this is nothing new. Uh, so when people decide to boo, you know, Andrew Luck, it, it really made no sense. This is not new. This is not a precedent. Uh, people have been doing it all the time, just depending on what comes up in their life. Up next, we have a really powerful story here. I like this uh, story right here. Uh, this is a uh, Harold Carmichael. He is a wide receiver, former wide receiver of the Philadelphia Eagles. He will play in the league for 13 seasons from 1971 to 1984. He was one of the first, uh, one of the first black executives. He was served as a director of player personnel and the alumni association for the team between 1998 and. 2014. Uh, he would also uh, he was also a four-time Pro Bowler, a three-time All-Pro. He was a receiving yards leader and the receiving and the, re the receptions leader in 1973 in the league. He was also the NFL Man of the Year uh, in 1980. He's a member of the All-Decade Team, the 70s All-Decade Team. And the NFL Man of the Year award has it's been renamed the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. I believe this. Uh, award is very significant because it talks about the impact uh, each player leaves in their community. So we already know um, Harold Carmichael, not only was he a great player in his time, uh, he was also a man of his community and he helped get his community engaged. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's very great to do that with the position that you have, uh, with you know the notoriety that you do have, the name that you do carry, and the brand that you, know, you might associate with, even if it's an NFL team. He did some right by the community, so he gets some props from me. Uh, Harold Carmichael for the Philadelphia Eagles. Up next, we have defensive back Bobby Dillon of the Packers. Uh, he will play for the back the Packers from 1952 to 1959. He was a four-time Pro Bowler. He's also the all-time. He's a Packers all-time. Uh, all-time leader in interceptions with 52 uh, and all he was actually one of the second players in the league to get 52 interceptions as well uh, and he was an all-american at the university of texas and he's also a member of the packers hall of fame and he will pass away last year in august at the age of 89 so rest in peace to bobby dylan and welcome uh, to the hall of fame up next, we have a tackle, offensive tackle in the house, uh, Winston Hill uh, of the New York Jets. He played from 1963 to 1977. He's a winner of Super Bowl III, and he also won an AFL championship in 1968. He's a four-time AFL All-Star, uh, once in 1964, his second season in the league, and also uh, three times between 1969 and uh, 1969, 1967, excuse me, and 1969. He's also a, a four-time Pro Baller. Up next, we have defensive tackle Alex Carras of the Detroit Lions. He will play for them from 1958 to 1970. The four-time Pro Bowler, excuse me, a three-time first-team All-Pro and a six-time second-team member of the All-Pro as well. He's a member of the 60s All-Decade team. And just a fun fact here, he had a role. I can't remember who he, exactly who he was. I do remember his name from the credits, but he had a role in the Blazing Saddles, the Mel Brooks comedy as well. Up next, we have another tackle here and another great story here. Uh, offensive tackle uh, Duke Slater of the, uh, the Chicago Cardinals. That's who they were at the time. He played in the NFL from 1922 to 1931. He was the first black offensive lineman in the league. Uh, he was a five-time first-team All-Pro member. He's also a two-time second-team All-Pro. He would also earn a law degree, and this is actually after graduating from the University of Iowa, where he would win a national championship there as well uh he was served well in 1948 after his career he was elected uh to the cook the cook county uh, municipal court becoming just the second judge in chicago history so again uh we have a we have um an example of somebody uh taking you know you know doing having an impact outside of the sport 
another brother doing it. We don't hear too much about Duke Slater here, but again, he was historic in many ways. One of the first black players, not only, yes, one of the first black players in the league. Uh, of course, a lot of people talk about it. Uh, his name, Marion Motley, the running back of the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns, if I'm not mistaken. He's also in the, in the Hall of Fame as well. Uh, but people, I mean, I, I think I've heard the name Duke Slater, but I didn't even know anything too much about him. It's a, again, amazing story. Uh, one of the first black players in the NFL and the second black judge to serve in his in his city so again i, I think that's amazing uh, up next we have mark speedy a wide receiver uh, also known as an end back in his time uh, this was back uh in the 1940s he played from 1946 to 1952 for the browns he also spent some time in the canadian league as well he would wrap up his career in 1955 uh, but he would play for the browns between 1946 and 1952 he is a uh, two-time pro baller and a six-time first team all pro member he's a four-time receiving uh receptions leader in the league he's also a four-time receiving yards leader uh not was between well actually a receipt he was a receiving yards leader in 1947 and 1949 he's also a member of the 1940s all-decade team uh, up next we have defensive end Ed Sprinkle. Uh, he is a defensive end for the Bears. He played for Chicago for 12 seasons. Uh, he, uh, sorry, he yes, from 1944 to 1955. He won an NFL championship in 1946. The four-time Pro Bowler, a two-time first-team All-Pro, and a three-time second-team All-Pro. I believe that 46 championship was when they blew out the Washington Redskins. Um, 73 to zip so again uh he was and he was one of the known as one of the premier pass rushers one of the greatest pass rushers of all time again somebody who actually put the defensive uh unit on the map uh up next we have another offensive tackle here uh this one is uh jim co uh yes jim covert of the uh chicago bears he's a two-time pro baller a two-time first team all pro in 1985 and 1986 he's also a second team all pro in 1987 he's a four time first team all nfc a 1985 offensive lineman of the year he was also named the offensive lineman of the year in 1986 as well and he's a member of the 1983 all rookie team and he's a member of the 1980s all decade team so jim covert uh, offensive tackle of the chicago bears and finally we have a former gm here George Young, uh, uh, formerly of the Giants, he was also served as the assistant coach of the Baltimore Colts between 1968 and 1969, was able to get them or help out in their Super Bowl win. Uh, but as an executive, he was served as a director of player personnel for Miami, starting off in 1975. He was served there until 1978. Uh, there he would win a Super Bowl as well. Uh, he would also win a couple Super Bowls with the Giants as serving as a GM for them from 1979 to 1997. Uh, uh, after which he would serve as the senior vice president of football operations for the NFL between 1998 and 2001. He was the executive of the year in 1984, 1986, 1990, also 1993, and his final year in 1997. Uh, before I let you guys go, I will tell you guys a couple uh, of the modern day players, uh, a couple of the modern day finalists. Again, that whole list will be will be revealed February the 1st, uh, but some of the modern era players that will be headed to the camp, to, to the Hall of Fame, excuse me, are Isaac Bruce, wide receiver of the Rams, and also Troy Palomaro, the safety, uh, former great safety for the Steelers. Uh, let's move on. I will be right back, y'all. I'm going to be talking some MLB. I got to talk about these cheating ass Houston Astros, so I'll be right back, y'all.
Alright y'all, I'm back. Let's talk some baseball. Of course, like I said before, the Astros, Houston Astros ain't nothing but some trick-ass cheaters. I want to say some bitch-ass cheaters, but you know, yeah, well fuck it, they some bitch-ass cheaters. A recent MLB investigation proved that the Astros stole pitcher's hand signs the entire 2017 season, including the playoffs as well as the World Series versus the Dodgers. Think about it this way: when people, when, I, when you hear stealing signs in baseball, think about Spygate, but more intricate and more elaborate, and the stakes are a lot higher because obviously in the NFL they don't give a fuck if the Patriots cheat because whatever. But in baseball, they give a damn about cheating. Trust me, there's players that are great players that the league will never accept again. They'll never do whatever. They'll never mess with them again. Look at Pete Rose, one of the greatest hitters to ever play baseball. He cheated according to the NMLB. He's been excommunicated. Look at Barry Bonds, one of the greatest hitters as well. Home run king. He did steroids. They don't fuck him. They don't fuck with your boy. So that's just the way it is. Um, Manager A.J. Finch was fired by the team after being suspended by the league for a year. Uh, The same thing happened to Alex Cora, who was the Red Sox manager at the time. He was a member of the staff. Uh, He served as a bench coach for the Astros in 2017. He would also be fired as well uh, for for admitting to his role um, after the investigation. And he's under investigation as well for his team after they won the 2018 World Series. So they're going to investigate him for what he for what happened in 2018 so again this goes deeper uh gm jeff lujo was also suspended for a year and subsequently uh fired the team will lose their first and second round draft picks for the next two years and this is a quote coming from the owner jim crane he's referring to manager finch and gm Luhow. he would go on to say neither of them started this but neither of them did anything about it I, I'm going to tell you they didn't do anything about it because I, I'm sure they knew. They didn't want to do anything about it because, again, uh, these man, especially A.J. Finch, it's funny because uh, he's he's had numerous quotes. I don't know. I don't have a lot of those quotes on the top of my head. Uh, but A.J. Finch had numerous quotes talking about how stupid stealing signs was, about how dumb you would be if you got caught doing it, so on and so forth. Um Again, they knew. I mean, I'm pretty sure they both knew what was going on. Uh, that's why they allow it was allowed to continue for an entire year. Something like this does not go on for an entire year without people knowing about it. I'm pretty sure Jim Crane, the owner himself, uh, was aware of some uh, aspect of this because, again, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about some Houston drama, and this is why I'm going to add something to this that some people might think is crazy, but I'm going to be real with it. Uh, this is another. This is another addition to their drama now back a few years ago they would hire uh chris correa from the st louis cardinals who was their former vp of scouting and player development uh he would also bring a few employees with him uh that carried sensitive team information referring again to the to the cardinals and they would use that information to hack their database so they had a whole they had all the information about the the st louis cardinals therefore pretty much eliminating them from any type of postseason contention because again if they match up with the Astros the Astros know all the secrets they know all the information they know who they're scouting they know who they're drafting they know exactly how they're scouting those players or or working with those players they know everything 
this was so serious that Correa would have to be would have to be end up in federal prison. I believe he's serving uh, multiple years. I think almost like ten years, something like that. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but he's serving some some time in prison for this. Uh, which this is, leads me to this uh, situation here. This leads me to my opinion about this. Uh, well, well, before I get into that, uh, there was an article back in the Athletic back in November, uh, last November, where former pitcher for the Astros, Mike Fierce, uh, I brought him up a couple times, uh, would describe on how the team would use technology, probably cameras, I would say iWatches, etc. Because I, I, my memory, if my memory serves me correctly, once somebody, some manager, got caught using some i iWatch, and and he shouldn't have had it. They told him to get it out of there. I want to say it was the Red Sox manager. It could have been. It could have been Houston's. But somebody I remember in the course of the season got caught up with some type of iWatch. So I would assume uh, they were using some of that there. Any type of video relaying system, whatever video taking system, and they would relay the pitcher signs to the hitters by banging on a trash can. And this was this was admitted to by a Houston pitcher. And he knows he's not in the he's in the dugout with everybody. He's not a reliever he's not you know the closer he's not uh in the bullpen he's right there with the rest of the team pretty much the assistant the bench the bench coach the general manager or the manager of the team uh, aka the coach what have you so he's right there so this testimony toast testimony uh in the athletic pretty much would lead to the investigation in which we have today um there's also a pitcher by the name of trevor bauer i believe he's for he's with the brewers now but in 2018 uh he was with the uh, he was with the Indians and he played a lot against uh, well he was facing up against the Astros a lot because they, again they were in the same league in the American League uh, but he would also describe uh, the situation as well he would actually share videos online and repost or have a whole lot of different things in an attempt to bring this stuff to light uh, my opinion I'm gonna keep it real this might be a little bit bold they should vacate uh, Houston's title from 2018 they don't deserve it and I think everything that they've done uh, is tainted and I'm so glad the Nationals beat that ass um, and eliminate and, and beat them in the World Series because again we don't need to have cheers in this game and I believe that they should be almost and then this is crazy you might think you know I'm crazy for this but it, maybe they should give these people some type of death penalty now they, that might be too far but again this is two situations in which you've been caught cheating you've been caught defrauding the league and and, and trying to manipulate the league in order to suit your interest suit your benefit again you're stealing picture signs and then back a few years earlier before that you hired somebody who basically stole the other team's information to use and to hack into their servers this team this organization is corrupt from the bottom uh to the from the top to the bottom and i think it needs to be fleshed out and maybe even need to be put on a new ownership i think you might even need to ban jim crane from the mlb as well i think a lot of people should be i think aj finch should be banned i think alice cora with his uh involvement should be banned and i think a lot of the hitters uh should be placed under some type of investigation or some type of scrutiny as well george springer alex bregman all that jose altuve i think that whole team should be put into question they not even should just break it down and dismantle of course i'm going too far but i break it down to dismantle it and have them have they have to do a a, a, a franchise draft to get out to reset the whole franchise that's what i would do i think this is bullshit uh they they, they pretty much uh ran they ran rough shot over the al the al west for two three years and they've been cheating the entire time i, I think it's bs their conference their divisional titles are bullshit they alcs 
appearances are bullshit and their World Series title is bullshit. This is not a knock on Houston as a, as a city or whatever, but your baseball organization is bullshit and they don't deserve to win anything else in the, in, in the future. And, I, and I'm sorry, this is bad karma. This is what happens. Cheaters never win. Let's move on to some college basketball because these uh, I don't like cheaters. They get on my nerves. I, I, I don't like it. I really don't like it. But let's talk some college basketball. Uh, yesterday was a very crazy day. You had a few, well, you had quite a few top 25 matchups, but a lot of upsets. So let's get through them. Uh, we're going to start off with number two, Baylor. They were saved from the upset bug. They were able to beat Iowa State 68-55 to to maintain that number two ranking. However, uh, things did not go as planned for number four, Auburn. They suffered their first loss of the year to 9-7 and seven, Alabama. Uh, Auburn is now 15-1. The final score on this one was 83 to 64. Uh, of course, Auburn came into this one ranked number four. For Auburn, they were led by Ford Isaac Okoro. He would have 13 points and four rebounds. Center Austin Wiley would have 10 points and 13 rebounds. And guard Jamal Johnson would have 10 points. For Bama, they were led by guard Kira Lewis. He would have 25 points, three assists, and three rebounds. Guard Jared, I'm sorry, guard Herb Jones would have 14 points and 12 rebounds and four. Alex Reeks would have 13 points and three rebounds. Auburn would shoot 31.7% from the field, so that's part of what their issues were. Again, they only had 64 points. Um, draw, uh, sorry, uh, Bama would convert 48, uh, 48.4% of their free throw percentage. Actually, 78.4. Excuse me, 78.4% of their free throw percentages. So again, a lot more points there. They got some points there. Uh, they shot overall. You know, they shot overall better on the field as well, on the court as well. And Bama will force 21 total turnovers. So a very sloppy game from uh, Auburn. Gave up too many possessions back to Alabama. And that's what happens. Alabama just happened to score um, on all of them. That's what happens. But again, if you have multiple times to score, if you're giving up the ball, you're the, the other team is giving up the ball, I mean, you had no choice but to at least try to score. And, uh, Alabama, you know, made the most of their opportunities and just pretty much outscored uh Auburn and was just pretty much on top of Auburn throughout the entire game. Up next, we have a matchup between two teams in the top 25. Uh, number 18, Seton Hall gets the win over number five, Butler. 78 to 80, 78 to 70 is the final score here. Seton Hall is now 13 and four. Butler is 15 and two. Uh, for Seton Hall, they were led by guard Miles Powell. He would have 29 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. Center Romero Gill would have 17 points and four rebounds. And guard Jared Roden would have 13 points and eight rebounds. For Butler, they were led by, by guard Kamar Baldwin. He would have 19 points, six, six assists, and three rebounds. And forward Justin Tucker would have 14 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, Butler was pretty much outscored in the second half, uh, 48, to 20, 48 to 30. That was it. They gave up 18 more points in the second half. And uh, that margin of victory, I mean, it just that's all that's all Seton Hall needed. Seton Hall has a pretty good defense as well. I, we talked about them, uh, but for but for Butler, they you know they just couldn't come up clutch in that uh, in the last part of the game and just you know Seton Hall just outscored them uh, pretty easily. Uh, up next, we have another uh, top ten shocker here. Number four, Kentucky, actually number 10, Kentucky, excuse me, goes down to unranked South Carolina, 78 to 81 on a last second shot. Kentucky is 12 and four. South Carolina is now nine and seven. For Kentucky, they were led by guard Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, he would have 20 points, six rebounds, and two assists. 
forward Nick Richards would have 15 points and 7 rebounds and guards Ashton Haggins and also Tyrese Maxey would have 13 points each. Haggins would have 4, uh, four rebounds and 7 assists to his totals as well. For South Carolina that were led by guard Jermaine Cousinard, he would have 26 points, uh, uh, three, uh, 3 assists and 3 rebounds. Forward Keyshawn Bryant would have 15 points, 5 rebounds and 2 assists and forward Justin Minaya would have 11 points, 6 rebounds and 2 assists. Rounding out some scores in the top 25, you got number 9 Florida State getting it done by 4 against Virginia, 50 to 50, 54 to 50 was the final score. We got number five, number 25 Creighton going down to Georgetown, 80 to 83 on the road. The road games are very important. Again, I'm going to stress that because you're pretty much playing on the road past uh, once you get to you know late February and March the conference tournament that's pretty much on the road that's at a neutral site and again the NCAA tournament will be at a neutral site so it's imperative that teams win on the road so uh, that's a bad road loss for Creighton a loss a, un, a loss to an unranked road uh, unranked team on the road same thing for Kentucky uh, look for those teams to drop uh, somewhat in the rankings Creighton will probably be eliminated from the rankings for Kentucky they're probably likely to drop uh, uh, somewhere between probably 15, maybe even 16 or 17, just depending on what happens throughout the week. Uh, you also have number 16, Wichita State, taking a loss here to unranked Temple, 53 to 65. Of course, Wichita State comes into this one. Well, came as that one, uh, number 16 in the nation. Again, uh, losses to unranked teams. They don't bode well, especially for a team like Wichita State, who they don't give a whole lot of credit for for their strength of schedule. They have a lower ranked, um, they have a lower ranked strength of schedule, meaning they're not playing a whole lot of, uh, you know, monster teams. They don't play in a Power Five conference, so they miss that. They miss the opportunity to, paint, uh, to possibly play more ranked teams. So again, those losses they they'll hurt a lot more. Uh, losses against unranked teams hurt. Um, Losses at home, I do believe, hurt uh, you know teams significantly in terms of voting. Uh, but definitely, it, whether it's college football or college basketball, losses against, especially like I said, unranked teams, really hurts your ranking. So uh, these teams here, Kentucky, uh, Wichita, Creighton, they're gonna drop significantly. Uh, Auburn is definitely gonna drop significantly uh, as well. Uh, and even Butler is probably gonna drop some as well. They won't drop as bad because again, that was a loss to a ranked opponent. It was a genuinely close game, uh, but Kentucky's loss to an unranked team is gonna definitely send them down. This is gonna be their fifth loss on the year for them. Uh, so yeah, it, it says a lot. All right, y'all, I'm gonna call it a wrap, uh, call it a wrap for today. Uh, my next episode will be a review. I will be going over the Irishman, I believe, Joe Pesci is in that. Al Pacino was in that. Of course, Robert De Niro. I'm going to finish that movie up for you guys. Also, have a compare and contrast. I uh, will be saving that as a surprise for you guys. That will be ready by the weekend. Uh, but the uh, Irishman re review, I will probably put that out either tonight or tomorrow morning. I plan on watching the movie tonight. Uh, just depending on how much you know time I have and you know just how much energy I have to do it. Uh, probably end up having the notes together and probably just end up recording tomorrow. So we'll see how. I goes i do gotta work remember i do have a day job guys so it's not i'm not to the point yet where i can just be you just hear my 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 pretty voice all day i'm not to that point where you just, i can just do that all day every day so hopefully we'll get there in, in the next year so that's the goal <laughs> uh but as far as the weekend goes um of course we will be up i will be updating you guys on some nba's action as well i have not gone through the, the rankings just yet for this week 
I haven't talked about too much basketball in general outside of college hoops yet. So we're going to get into some NBA action at some point during the weekend. Of course, I plan on previewing uh, the conference championship games as well. Uh, and we have some more NFL news that will pop up. And don't forget, of course, we have a war on the street that we have to go through. There's, there's stuff going on in the world. you know. So again, I'm busy, busy. I'm the busy bee today, busy beaver. I have work today as well. So uh, for those of you who have work, and uh, you know, good luck. Uh, much uh, much less well I'm wishing positive vibes no stress to you I know how that is for my people that are off today mm. enjoy I will be off tomorrow uh, but for now I'm going to call it a wrap like I said if you're looking to get in touch with me you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com that is eljbutler uh, b-u-t-l-e-r course 7575 at gmail.com once again that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com that is e-l-j just the letter j b-u-t-l-e-r 75 at gmail.com of course I have a Facebook and an Instagram page as well ljamaa john ljamaa johnny is where you can find me, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. Once again, that is L-Jama-A-Johnny, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. I also have a Facebook page for the show as well, at Never Out of Bounds. I got content and links there, uh, links for the show, also links for the PayPal or the Cash App if you are looking to make a donation. But more importantly, interactions are uh, just as important, if not more important to me. Uh, I would like to know how I'm doing. I would like to know if there's any suggestions you might have uh, to the content of the show. If you'd like for me to talk about something, uh, you might not have the, the means to talk about it, or you might just want to hear somebody else's opinion on it. I'm here for you. Talk to me. Um, I'm always down for any free discussion. I have a free form. Uh, be sure to uh, hit up the hit, hit, hit up hit up the wall. Say hi. Hey, how you doing? Uh, drop an idea. Let's talk about it. Um, I'm planning to be. It's hard just because I'm working. I, you know, work does take some energy. But I'm looking to become. I'm looking to expand on the social media platform just to uh, engage more. Just some more engagement. I'm trying to have some more visuals for you guys. It's it's it's, it's a process. I know I've been talking, uh, but it's a process, guys. Just bear with me. I'm glad that you guys uh, are willing to stick with me and, and still be able to listen to me as much as you guys do. Uh, so I'm glad for the support. Um, I'm, uh, the support is definitely keeping me going. Thank you guys. Uh, so I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Like I said, let's just get out of here. And uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Uh, peace out. One love. And I will holla at all y'all later. Thank you.